terribly frightened by the problem of LSD. Uh, I think there's been a great deal of misinformation uh, by those who seem to see no harm in it. But as a parent and as a citizen, certainly now in this position, uh, I am greatly concerned. There is nothing smart, there is nothing uh, grown up or sophisticated in taking an LSD trip at all. They're just being complete fools. Anyone that would engage in this or indulge in this is just a plain fool. You know what the cool cows are into these days? Grass. Yo, Dave, you staying off those drugs, Mo? Yeah, Mo, just grass for me. It's no hormones, no antibiotics, Mo? Nah, Mo, you know I dig on that grass, Mo. Applegate hot dogs are now made with delicious 100% grass-fed beef. And that makes for a cleaner wiener. Yo, Dave, let me get some grass, Mo. Applegate, what's in your hot dog? Oh, you haven't seen Seattle until you've seen it from a duck. Tour Seattle by land and water on this wacky adventure that's fun for all ages. Voted number one city tour of Seattle. Your tour guide will quack you up with jokes, local folklore, and Seattle history as you explore Seattle by land and sea. It's a party on wheels you won't want to miss. Go to RideTheDucksOfSeattle.com. Nice，nice，nice，nice，nice，nice，nice，visit，Seattle，ride，the，duck，it，is，a，car，that，drives，on，water，that，reminds，me，of，my，favorite，musical，Jesus，Christ，Larue，Burkar，move,to，Seattle
I'm Ira Glass. Welcome to Jackass. It's episode 10 of Humor in the Abject. I'm your host, Sean J. Patrick Carney, and we're doing a little bit of a cold open this week. Uh, my guest just got off an airplane 30 minutes ago, took a cab from LaGuardia, and got over here. So we're just going to get right to it, and I want to welcome Rachel Hyman, who is a software engineer, sometimes writer, living in Chicago with her rescue Sheba Kenny. Uh, she says here that she'll probably die in Chicago. Uh, Rachel supports the arts as the co-editor of literary journal, am I saying it correctly, Benango Street? That is right. Most people don't get it right. Yeah, cool. <laughs> um, so, Rachel, welcome to Humor in the Abject. It's Thank really you. cool to have you on. I'm glad that you're visiting New York. And are you here for business, pleasure? Do you? Can you speak on that? Um, I can. I'm not under NDA on mm-hmm. that matter. Um, I'm here for a friend's engagement party. So oh, the nice. wedding is in Israel. I will not be going to the wedding. <laughs> um, <laughs> a little that's, busy. that's for another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but I said uh, an engagement party in New York is within my uh, ability to do. Yeah, yeah, so. that sounds good. My sisters just did a... They did a double this summer. They did an, uh, I guess it was a, a bachelorette party in Philly. They live in Denver. Yeah. And then they just did the wedding in like somewhere in northern Washington, like Bellingham or something. That's, that was that was their entire summer was those two lot. trips. But they yeah. were very excited to do it if their friend is listening. Um, they yeah. didn't complain. They Good. were very happy Yeah, let to the go. record show. Um, now, Rachel, you and I have known each other for a while now, so I feel like I can ask you this. Um, yeah. What does Screedler mean to you? <laughs> Um, it's very like um, out of Charles Dickens to me. <laughs> like a screedler is like kind of an old timey word for a scammer, um, kind of like a street urchin, kind of like a rakish boy. It's not really a boy. I mean, I guess like you can be a woman screedler, but like to me, it's very much a boyish term. Yeah, okay, that's good. I'm gonna. The original screedler is coming to New York soon, so I'm gonna so, settle. I'm gonna settle yeah. this once and for all and try to get him on the mic and yeah, explain it. Yeah, um, better. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Rachel, where are you're not originally from Chicago? You were born in Chicago, but you born in Chicago. Um, grew up in Baltimore mostly, um, but in high school, my parents moved to Champaign, Illinois. So I got a little East Coast, a little Midwest, a little Chicago, a mm-hmm. little bit of everything. Is is uh, that where Champ lives? Champ. The, Who's Champ? The, like American Loch Ness monster, like Lake Champlain. Uh, or are those different? Are those, are those different things? Um, those are different. Oh. Um, it's not even Damn spelled it. like the drink. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not even. We don't even have that going for us. Oh, okay. But um, it's fine. Yeah, my parents actually just moved to D.C., so I now have severed all connection <laughs> to Champagne. That's yeah, Mid Atlantic, very very attractive region. I used to live in Richmond, Virginia. Um, yes, the Mid Atlantic is lovely. Um, did you did you go to college? Um, I did. I went to college in Chicago, um, and I've lived there most of the time after college. So Chicago is sort of where my strongest connections are now. Yeah. What's your alma mater, if you don't mind my asking? University of Chicago. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's not University of Illinois Chicago. No. So I was just yeah. yeah, yeah. I was about to say you had um, a tweet about that because <laughs> the DSA is having a big convention in Chicago and. I had heard from like multiple people that it was happening at U Chicago, which is kind of funny because like U Chicago is a pretty conservative academic institution. Like Milton Friedman came out of there, mm-hmm. and it's just like the birthplace of like a certain like school of economics. And so to have like a socialist group have their <laughs> convention there would be pretty funny. But yeah. <laughs> um, it's not actually happening there. It's happening 
at University of Illinois at Chicago, right. which is also funny because um, UIC is near Haymarket, uh, where that whole like historical like workers riot happened, but it's like not near enough to see the just like shit show that the West Loop has become today. So, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've stayed... Wait, is the West Loop what is, uh, like, effectively downtown or no? Um, or am I incorrect? Uh, it's, like, sort of down... I mean, it's, like, literally, like, west of downtown, but um, it's probably, like, very what Brooklyn is like today. Mm, okay. Um, just, like, super trendy restaurants and, like, new high-rise buildings and very a lot of, like, yuppies and that kind of thing. Nice. Not, nice. not very socialist, if you ask me. Is, <laughs> is that near um, Lakeshore Drive? I'm um, just naming things I know. Yeah. <laughs> I live near Lakeshore Drive, actually. Okay. Um, I moved recently. And oh, yeah. In lake. Yeah. Yeah. You're in, a, you're in a new neighborhood. You just yeah. moved. Yeah. Just about like a month ago. Yeah. I saw, oh, I saw you last summer. I didn't see yeah. you this summer. No, I was there a year I ago. So. Wow. Yeah. We met at that bar, yeah. Sinclair. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had just gone to the MCA and seen the oh, Carrie yeah. James Marshall show, and then yeah, you came and met us for great. a beer. Yeah. yeah that was, was really super nice. fun. That was my, yeah, we were in Chicago for one night. It was oh, very, yeah. You were on your way to Michigan, right? Yeah, because we had gone to, we did my family's family reunion in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and then yeah. went to Traverse City for three days, and then went to Claire's family's family reunion in Janesville, Wisconsin, oh, which is God. where Paul Ryan lives. Okay. And we did those back-to-back, and then we just like yeah. needed a night in a like a, a city. family Yeah, city. <laughs> we needed yeah. to go to Chicago, and then... When we were leaving, because we only we stayed one night there, we like rented somebody's apartment and stayed the night. So we saw you, and then yeah. we were so exhausted, we just went back and I think we bought a box of macaroni and cheese and like yeah, some wine. But nice. the next day we were leaving, we were driving my uh, dad's like 1989 Chevy Suburban, yeah. and we went to this part of Pilsen where my sister used to live, and my mom was like, "You should go to this restaurant that's there. It's really good." And we tried to go, and it was closed, which was kind of a bummer. But then we got on the highway, and something was smelling really weird, and we're <laughs> driving the Suburban on like a Monday morning, and. <laughs> It just like, I started smelling all the stuff and then just smoke started pouring out of the radiators and we were like way south of Chicago at this point. So we're like getting kind of like, as you kind of snap around like Gary, Indiana or something. and The worst place to get stranded. (laughs) And the car just just broke down and we had to go through, we had to go through a toll booth to pay our way to get off the road and there's just smoke coming out of the thing and the guy's just like making change and I was like, sir, sir. (laughs) We finally pulled off, but we found this, uh. We found this guy on Google who had good ratings, Juan's uh, Auto Repair, and uh, I can't remember the street that it was on, but it was on the south side of Chicago. He was super cool. He fixed the radiator in like three hours. So So we went to Hyde Park Art Center, uh, went for a little bit, came back, the car was ready. My alma mater, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Um, So I want to talk about some of your work and stuff, and this is an oldie, but I think a goodie. could you tell me about poetry by Emily Dickinson? Yeah, wow, that is really a throwback. <laughs> a deep cut? Um, so, Was that 2011? Uh, practically, yeah. <laughs> That's like over five years ago. It's another era. I feel like Nardwar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so Steve Rogenbach, who may or may not be known to listeners of this podcast, depending on how hip to the poetry world mm-hmm. they are, um, he's a pretty like big figure in poetry now, but um, back then, <laughs> when I knew him, <laughs> he was just um, like an MFA student at Columbia College, um, and I like found him on Twitter. This was like way, way back before like any of the <laughs> accounts I've had, where I just had an account with like my own name on it, and it was like 
I don't know, a locked account, and this guy followed me, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Nobody ever follows me. So I <laughs> followed him back, and I saw that he was a writer and a poet and was offering to um, send copies of his chapbook to people to, like, distribute. So I was like, yeah, cool, free literature. Yeah. <laughs> I was like a freshman and sophomore in college, so this is, like, very... That's a great price. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, very exciting to me. Um, so I, you know, through that kind of discovered his work and he started this, um, I guess you could sort of call it like a FLARF project, which is another, uh, concept I haven't thought in a while. So FLARF refers to... Yes, educate uh, me. I don't know what that is. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, so it refers to a school of poetry that takes like existing texts and found texts and sort of like remixes them into new works. Um, I'd say like that term sort of specific to like a school of people that mm -hmm. you know maybe aren't as like active now as they were anymore but um are we talking like kenny goldsmith here um you yeah i guess you could <laughs> although i fucking hate him yeah but, remember when yeah. i tried to wrestle him <laughs> yeah and he wouldn't <laughs> well the change.org <laughs> petition didn't get enough signatures oh, that was so, your problem so it never got yeah. uh it, well, he didn't maybe. feel like it but anyway, so Flarf, yeah. Steve so Rogenbach. So Flarf, Steve right? Rogenbach. So we started this project, and the idea was to um, kind of like reclaim um, the internet space from this dead poet, Emily Dickinson. <laughs> so, um, you know, if you search poetry by Emily Dickinson, you'll get her poetry, which is fine. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not for me. It's not for everyone. Um, but the idea was uh, he started this hashtag, I guess, poetry by Emily Dickinson. And the idea was people would tweet out like literally anything. Like they would just tweet out normal, weird tweets, random tweets and attach this hashtag. And then all of the materials from that hashtag would serve as, I guess, raw material for people to write new poems and to remix into new poems. So okay. it was sort of a two-phase project, like the tweeting and then people, I was like an editor, so people would submit poems and, um, we, I mean, we basically like accepted everything. Um, it was more of a like administrative position, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, but just sort of organizing the data, yeah, yeah, kind of posting stuff. stuff, like helping just like publicize the project, that kind of thing. Um, and this was my first like big poetry project. Like, I ended up doing a lot in that space afterwards and like starting my own projects. But as someone who was basically like outside of that community and wasn't even, you know, studying creative writing or anything like that in school. It was just a really cool way to get involved and to meet, like, people from all around the U.S. Yeah. Um, that were interested in the same things I was. That's really cool, yeah. I mean, that was a time when I think, uh, like, 2011, 2012, that's probably when I got on Twitter and started to follow different kinds of accounts. And that was one of the things that was really appealing to me was that these sort of micro communities were coming up and um, even places like a place as big as Chicago, where you think like, well, of course you could find other poets yeah, or something like that. It's, it's so like, but not, yeah, not necessarily. Yeah. You can't just, <clears throat> I mean, I was talking with uh, Lorelai Ramirez and Tyne and DeLong earlier this week and, you know, kind of asking them, like, did y'all take the, you know, usual route of meeting other comics? Because you went to all these open mic nights and stuff like that, and you probably didn't see yourselves represented there. You just didn't identify with it or something. And um, they, they did go that route. They did, yeah. like, go the kind of standard whatever. And I think increasingly, um, you know, people are starting to connect in those online communities. And it's interesting that writers, it seemed like we're 
doing that kind of it's like a pro, it's like a couple year difference. But yeah. there's like a proto online community thing that was happening in this age of social media that was, I was really aware of with writers and things. It was really exciting. Like alt lit is not a thing anymore. Like that community or whatever kind of collapsed. <laughs> but like there was like a, a year or two span yeah. where um, like the community was like producing a lot and like having discussions, and it really did feel like a community like i would say that's kind of gone now mm-hmm. at least as i knew it but um it was like just a like cool like historical moment to be a part of that's great so you um and did you come to writing poetry kind of through exposure to these people online or were you kind of always even though you didn't go to school for it were you just somebody who sort of wrote for yourself and maybe periodically would share it with somebody or was it uh, or was it really new at that time for you um, I would say much closer to the first one where um, these people just like turn me on to a new style of writing mm-hmm. that I, you know, just never really associated with poetry. Like people have very sort of like antiquated notions of poetry. Like literally their notions of poetry are Emily Dickinson. And um, these people were doing just stuff with like language and images that were just very like novel and kind of inspiring to me. Um, and so just through that community and through, like, discovering other poets, it sort of, like, lit that creative spark in me. Yeah, that's cool. I think that that, um, you know, there was a real maybe, like, residual effect of that that sort of per- permeated its way into the art world, especially um, at least in the circles that I've been in for the last three or four years in New York where uh, the form and the content and the approach people are taking is really, really different than previously and, like, I got introduced to it through like uh, Sofia Lafraga and like yeah. uh, Anna Bojicevic, and um, it was a uh, it was really cool to see people coming in and just doing these things that like I would go to poetry nights and just be like, this is fucking fun. Yeah, these people like, are this like is, doing really yeah, novel stuff. People would Skype in and yeah. things who like lived someplace else, and yeah. there'd be like some bizarre like glitch screen thing and all this <laughs> yeah. shit. And like reading their stuff, and I was just like, this is. And everybody's yeah. hanging out and drinking beer, and I was like, this is pretty fun. This and is I have fun. a I yeah. had a I had a very antiquated view of poetry before yeah. that. I mean, I think I'd always like. You know, I'd always respected the form, but really my exposure to it was, uh, I think at Arizona State, one semester I took a Victorian poetry <laughs> oh, class. Fuck. just because the worst. I was like yeah. interested in it though. Yeah, and I got okay. this huge volume. It was like, you know, it's like thicker than a Manhattan telephone book. It's just like this giant thing. The anthology, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was reading, you know, like the Bronte sisters and all these oh, things and like, and like Matthew Arnold and things. And yeah. I was like, this is really interesting. But that was... Like really that and besides like caricatures portrayed in movies of poets and things like that, I, I had yeah. this like really warped perception of what yeah. uh, a new generation of people doing that were going to be like. So it's been pretty cool to follow that and see kind of how those weird little online communities that I admittedly at the time wouldn't say that I understood. I knew that yeah. alt-lit was a thing. I knew who some of these people were. And I was like, I don't 100% get this, but that's that probably means it's interesting. Like yes. it, it wasn't, it didn't turn me off. It wasn't like, you know, a standoffish form. It just was something that yeah, I was like, oh, different. I have to reprocess how I read. Yeah, something was- that was really huge for me actually, um, and I think like a big hang up a lot of people had have with poetry and that I have had at various points is that like people read poetry the same way they look at like visual art or abstract art and they're like what does this mean like what is the meaning of this poem and I think one of the big things for me that came out of you know being a part of that whole community was just letting go of the idea that like a poem has to have a meaning that like you need to have a key to unlock Mm -hmm. like um the appeal of poetry of like writing and of reading it was very is very sort of like almost like emotional like it's much more base 
level than like intellectual for me like when I read a poem like yeah I mean on a certain level you want to know like what it means or what the author's trying to do but like many poems like they're almost like I guess <laughs> the word is like synesthetic for me like synesthesia like they sort of just evoke a certain mood or a certain emotion and like that is like where the attachment forms for me rather than like being like this this means something this is what it means yeah yeah no, that's really great. And I think that that's, uh, that's been my experience kind of watching people. And I hadn't thought about it that way before, but it's really like um, they're creating an, an environment and a series of sensations that I guess maybe we're just subconscious and I didn't think about before, but there's definitely like yeah, I'm mood. having this kind of synesthetic like colors are being evoked and like different yeah. like smells or like things like that just by yeah. the way that somebody's reading something or presenting words in a particular order. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I took a um, couple creative writing classes in college, like way towards the end. Um, but something that really stuck with me from one of those was the idea that poetry sort of thrives on economy. Like for the most part, you're you're working in a limited space. You're working with like limited or sort of like even rarefied language sometimes. And um, the you know, I think I've like talked a lot before about like creative constraints and what those can kind of generate. And so I think like, yeah, the economy and the limited space and just the limited sort of vocabulary has always been really interesting to me. Yeah, I like that. Um, okay, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. And I'll be right back with Rachel Hyman. There's some pretty nasty stuff in regular hot dogs. Chemicals and preservatives that are so bad, you could use them instead of bad words. For instance, if you were to hit your thumb with a hammer. Dextrose! Or bang your head on an open cabinet. Oh, sorbitol! Or if you get cut off in traffic. Watch it, you sodium diacetate! You're the sodium diacetate! Applegate hot dogs contain no bad words, just four simple ingredients. Beef, water, salt, and spices. Applegate, what's in your hot dog? Applegate, what's in your hot dog? Applegate, what's in your hot dog? What's in your hot dog? Applegate, what's in your hot dog? Applegate, what's in your hot dog? Applegate, what's in your hot dog? What's in your hot dog? I took a pee on LSD. On LSD I took a pee. At the city by the sea. I took a pee on LSD Seattle is nice. I've been there thrice. I dropped a tab with my friend Bryce. We tripped our balls. We went to malls. I wrote about it in a piece for Vice. Somebody should fill Ronald Reagan's casket with LSD so the worms can trip. Have you tried Applegate Farms hot dogs? They're better than Pizzagate Farms hot dogs. I'm extremely glad that Ronald Reagan is dead. I do want to ask you about, in terms of writing for online audiences and things like that, were you also performing poetry around Chicago at this time, or was it mostly like a solitary, I'm, I'm posting it online and I'm not necessarily going to these nights, or, there, or was there that community happening? Um, there was that community, and that's something else I kind of miss from that era, is um, I felt like there was this just sort of whole network of like local writers that would do readings in you know bookshops like um i can't remember it's like 
unabridged. I think there's a bookshop in Logan Square that would host all these readings. And I just like have a very distinct memory, like Steve Rogan book read there. Or I read there a bunch of times. Um, and there were, or maybe are still, um, like reading series that would do regular events. And so, um, you know, occasionally I would take part in those. So there was some bit of performance there. Yeah. Did you feel like when you came to it and you were reading for the first time, I'm always curious about the voice, like how you develop uh, both an art or comedy, like somebody's stand-up persona or somebody's poetry reading voice. And there's this kind of, there's a there's the sort of stereotypical poet voice, you know, yeah. and, and I'm curious if you sort of, were you like trying that on and then being like, uh, well, I'm going to slightly make this mine or kind of move away from it? Or did you, or did it's you, a, or were you just nervous and were like, I'm just getting through this? So the very first time I was so nervous and <laughs> I have this probably common problem where um, when I'm nervous, you can hear it in my voice. Yeah, so like then a I hear, like a, yeah, uh, a wavering, uh, yeah. yeah, like a shakiness. And then mm. I can hear that, and then it just makes me more nervous, and it's a really negative feedback loop. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I do remember, like, being very nervous the first couple of times I read. Um, but I really like this question because um, I've had, like, a weird thing happen a lot where I would do – readings and then people people I knew would come up to me after and say like you seem really like disturbed was everything okay like like my like style of reading like came off a certain like, really? deranged <laughs> way which is actually like kind of really insulting um, <laughs> huh. um and you were like I'm just trying to inhabit this space yeah, and I'm persona. like nervous and yeah. also like it's like if if the voice is disturbed, then yeah, like I, maybe the poems are kind of disturbed. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. they are, and yeah. that's that's kind of just like the way <laughs> the way I have written. But um, reading is almost a whole separate art from writing. Like I could name, I could rattle off a bunch of people off the top of my head who are really great readers and have great presence and kind of just like have a certain persona while reading. Um, but that that's not me like i sort of i find it trop i find it difficult to um you know even just like doing basic things like modulating my voice and mm -hmm. like not reading in a monotone like yeah, that sounds like yeah. actually surprisingly challenging especially when you're so familiar with your own work yeah um you have to remember to sort of just like slow down because the audience isn't as familiar with it mm -hmm. and have to like you know vary the pitch and tone of your voice to just yeah, yeah so it doesn't all come off as like one tone yeah, wow. That's, yeah, I feel like that's, uh, I've experienced that a lot doing performance or trying to figure out how to like, just talk in front of a group of people. I mean, it's different yeah. to give, to give a presentation or something because that's sort of conversational. But when you're like embodying this particular role, as yeah. opposed to just like, I'm up here talking or something, um, it can be kind of weird. And, and I guess the other thing, you know, you, I imagine, you know, I'm sort of projecting here, but I, I'm curious if you have experienced too in some of your readings and things like that, that people... Uh, always assume that the content of the poem is a first-person perspective from, like, your lived experience, and maybe sometimes it's not, though? Yeah, I'd say that's uh, pretty common. Um, and I wrote a chapbook, um, which is kind of just a short collection of poetry um, called Dear S. And, like, I remember people reading it and asking me, like, who's S? Like, who is this for? And mm -hmm. um, that's always a little weird, but um, I do feel like my poems, like sort of how I was talking about how I connect to poetry on this kind of like just deeper, more like intuitive level, I guess you could say. Like I feel like the poems I write um, do come from that same place. And so um, they may, you know, 
be from the perspective of a different character or someone who's not literally like me, Rachel Hyman, but like there is always that like connection to them. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, I can, I can understand where that's coming from. Yeah. I guess I'm thinking too about, cause I've always thought about how a novelist or someone who does creative writing always kind of gets away with like, well, it's the character who's acting like this. But if I guess poetry is a little bit more abstract because it's not, you know, the first line isn't hello, call me Ishmael or yeah. like, you know, I'm, I'm this person or this yeah. is this Sometimes character introduction. Sometimes there's not even a speaker. Yeah. And, and it's that economy of language too. That's sort of like someone's trying to piece this together. And especially if you're reading it live, I'm sure they're just yeah. like, well, it's coming out of your mouth. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's kind of hard to like get as much of a handle on live poetry as you would while reading. You're just sort of just like here, it <laughs> yeah 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 and you're also con- you're cognizant of everybody else who's in the room and how yeah. they're responding it's I- hard to <laughs> it's not it, like readings are like not ideal for hearing poetry in a lot of ways like yeah like of course like poetry should be read aloud like it's it's a very like performative form but um i like i just, sometimes i just have trouble focusing at readings you know like i'm not like in the right headspace for mm-hmm. like receiving poetry <laughs> 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 I thought you were going to say for delivering, but I like that, yeah, I like that re- too. <laughs> even receiving thing. Um, well, how about I want to ask you about uh, not speaking in your own voice again, and another little throwback. But I wanted to talk to you about Real Trap Horse, aka mm-hmm. Trash Fuck Squadron, <laughs> which is uh, how I came to be familiar with your work. Which wow. was uh, that was a Twitter account that you were running what, like twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen. Um, yeah, that's, that's about it. 20, I would say even earlier started like 2011, probably, uh-huh. and then like ran it for a couple years. And that was, um, I think around that time with some of my introductions to, I suppose, what people refer to as weird Twitter, or things oh, that yeah. don't necessarily have an agenda, which seems strange now, because weird Twitter now um, is a lot of people, it's mostly jokes. You know, to me, that's what it feels like. It's yeah, like accounts that say, say weird things and stuff like that. And I mean, I love a funny account. I love a good <laughs> joke. Um, but there was just something more bizarre and abstract, I think, about accounts during that time. And yeah. your avatar was a little... A little girl on a rocking horse. Yeah. Yeah. And could you describe maybe the voice of Real Trap Horse? Like what was... Or where yeah. did that come... Were you um, just doing that at work, like anonymously? I, yeah. I like So I work on a computer, so I've always like been able to like tweet on the side uh, which is a nice privilege I guess <laughs> um or not depending <laughs> um but I started I started it and it was anonymous just because I like wanted privacy yeah. um which is sort of a very like quaint <laughs> thing to say now especially because like my account my Twitter account like isn't like that anymore yeah. but um I just like I was, like, worried about, like, being found. Like, I was worried about, like, these, like, weird things I was tweeting and, like, things with, like, curse words and stuff being attached to my, like, real name and face and identity. More like an employer coming in and just being like, you tweeted 137 (laughs) times. (laughs) Yeah, and now my boss, Tom, (laughs) follows me on Twitter. So, like, (laughs) hi, Tom, if you're listening. Um, (laughs) He sees everything I tweet. So it's kind of just I'm in a different, like, spot now. But... Um, you know, you asked about the voice, and I can actually connect this back to the poetry thing. Um, so I have this poem. It is one of my more, like, performative poems um, called Nicolas Cage Doing Things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes from just this, like, series of absurd tweets um, about, like, postulating, like, Nicolas Cage doing, like, dumb things. Like, yeah. Nicolas Cage brushing his teeth and not knowing like where to spit or like Mm -hmm. Nicolas Cage being asked 
to like get down from the wing of the plane. (laughs) (laughs) So it was just like, um, it was just a series, like a, like Twitter, like was and is very much like a form for me. Yeah. Um, it's a medium, right? It's it's a a medium. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of it was just me, like, I guess playing around with language, like spoonerizing things and that kind of thing. I still do that. Doing what? <laughs> um, so spoonerizing. What is that? Um, so that's a... I feel like such a dilettante. No, God. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we're all learning here. Lay it um, on so me. So spoonerizing is where you flip around the first letters of two words. Oh. So if I did that, if I did that with my own... Okay. Like well, babe, let's use, like, like babe and dusters? Yeah, or like Tonald Trump. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those are always misspelling words, misconjugating. Yeah. It's just those are, so those fucking are, funny to me. Well, yeah, it's, 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 it's still. <laughs> well, it was funny because I remember um, I was in this. Uh, well, I think you're in it too now, but I was in a group DM that yeah. uh, years ago was like uh, people were demanding to know who a real trap horse was. Like, does, <laughs> any, does anybody have a lead on this? Mike who Peppy. Knows? Oh, he was. <laughs> yeah, he, was he was leading on the, the charge. Yeah, he was like. <laughs> Yeah. I think it's uh you know be like, <laughs> like Brad Tremel. <laughs> so I was always like wondering, and I was so curious, and I don't remember how I mean we followed each other and then I think yeah. you had come for um the theorizing My God, they're theorizing the web, the web again conference, yeah. which I believe is what they've <laughs> theorizing changed. Theorizing the dread. Yeah, which is what I believe they've changed it to now. But you came up for that and then when, I remember when we met mm-hmm. and it's not like and it wasn't that you were different than my expectation. I just had no fucking idea who was doing yeah, this. And I didn't even that. have an expectation. And then I remember <laughs> meeting you and I was just like, you're like one of the most cordial, nice people. And, oh. and I was like, you're really polite and thoughtful yeah. and articulate. And obviously, it was a very funny, like clever person running that account. Yeah. But I was just kind of like floored because in person, you were so different than that <laughs> account. And that account was like... Yeah. I mean, I was like striving to emulate it at the time oh, as wow. I was trying to like learn how to use the the medium, yeah. like you're saying, and thinking about. And again, that's about an economy. You know, it really is like yeah, how literally how much can you do in 140 characters? Yeah, and I it think that a lot. Yeah, you can do some pretty crazy shit. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that's great. I just I had to ask you about that because it was. I mean, that was one of my things that I started to. Um, I think follow other people and get these other voices and things like that because you would, it was sort of, uh, you know, and there's still accounts that I follow that do this now, but um, including your current one, but a retweet from you, from somebody who's funny, like I very often follow that person That's awesome. because I'm just like, this is like a good cosign, you know? So like uh, your retweets are endorsements and I'm putting that on the record. (laughs) Set my bio to that now. (laughs) I'm putting you on notice. Um, Well, that's, yeah, that's great. Now, something else that I want to talk about and that we have to talk about is we have to talk about Kenny. Ah, yes. Who is Kenny? I know (laughs) who Kenny is. You know, for the uninitiated. Who should um, be following uh, at Come Through Girl, C-O-M-E-T-H-R-U-G-I-R-L. That's Rachel's current Twitter handle. You'll meet Kenny there. You definitely will. Tell us about Um, Kenny. Kenny is my dog. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a Shiba Inu, which surprisingly a lot of people don't know that breed, but um, they look like Doge. foxes. It's Doge, yeah. Like even like people, I'm like people my age, like you should know that meme. Mm-hmm. But I'm always too embarrassed to bring that up, especially if they don't know it because then I've like fucked up twice. <laughs> yeah. You're like, well, I got yeah. a dog because it was a meme. <laughs> yeah, doesn't look good. It's not a good look. <laughs> it was a meme from four years ago. <laughs> yeah. And I have it I'm now. I'm bringing it back. Yeah, see? I have it now. <laughs> 
Do people stop you on the street and do that voice? Um, thankfully the they don't. I've okay. actually like I get the dog <laughs> thing a lot less. Like what really annoys me is people always say like he looks like a fox, and I've just heard that so many times before like that I'm just like. But see, I'm the type of person that like you know wants to be polite and mm-hmm. wants to like you know be. Uh, sociable so i'm just like yeah he really does he's mm-hmm. a little fox mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah um dude i was thinking about this the other day because a person walked by me um on the street and they had a dog and i'm not there's some dogs that i really love but i'm not a person who sees a dog and immediately is like oh i need yeah, to like i need to introduce myself to this dog <laughs> But I was walking by this dog, and I thought, I yeah. want to get to know this pup. Yeah. Do you it, know what kind of dog it was? I can't or? really remember. It was just like a, it reminded it? me of my friend has like this sheep, this like black and white, goofy looking kind of maybe a little bit smaller than it should be sheep dog named Boogie yeah. oh. out in Portland. And I love Boogie, and he's like Boogie. my dude. Yeah. And this dog kind of looked like Boogie. And I almost <laughs> stopped, and then I had this, yeah. and then I thought again, and I was like, does this person? Does this happen to this person? Like constantly? Probably. Yeah, constant- I feel like it's a dog owner thing. I guess yeah. so if you have your dog, you're probably you're like you're out with your dog. You're probably going for a walk, or you're taking it yeah. somewhere that. Are you usually in a rush with Kenny, or do you so, feel like you're on a pretty leisurely that's a, pace? That's a great question. <laughs> and something about Shibas that everyone should know, um, which is that they're very high strung. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very anxious. And my dog is not only a Shiba, but he's a rescue. So he, mm-hmm. you know, is very high strung. Sure. Um, and he's easily scared. So people like make a movement toward him, he'll like, he'll like flinch and he'll like try to like go away from that or he'll try to like he'll give a wide berth to like a group of people that are standing mm-hmm. on the sidewalk. And so like, um, if someone says something while walking by, that's one thing, but like, he's not the kind of dog where you can really lean down and pet him, especially if you're a stranger. Yeah. Um, he's just like very sensitive to being touched, especially when he's like outside the home. Sure. And you're, you, how long have you had Kenny? Um, just about six or seven months. Okay, so um, Kenny's acclimating still and getting he's to like getting and I just to know moved, new neighborhood, so, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, um, and lots I of new smells, new things smells, like that. Like yeah, different restaurants, apartment. different yeah, different trees. Yeah. I'm actually um really happy with how he's acclimating. I mean, like outside is a different thing, but um inside the apartment. Um, so I live in like a high rise now, um, and I was really worried about how he'd do with you got a door person. Um, no door person, <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> that would freak him out. <laughs> um, There's like a man or a woman there every like, hello. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Kenny tries to run away. <laughs> yeah, but um, I was like, he's not gonna know what to do with elevators. He's not gonna want to get in. Oh, They're yeah. really gonna scare him. But he like got it right away, and he's cool. really smart. Like Shiba's are pretty smart, so like. He'll hear there's two elevators and he'll like hear the sound of the elevator coming and like go over and stand at the door of the one that's going to come. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> and he'll just like walk right in and walk right out. Cool. Um, so he does great with the elevators and in the apartment, you know, he just like happily like trots around and he like he likes the office for some reason. So he'll go in there and just like lay down and look out the window. And um, he seems to be adjusting really well to the actual apartment. So that's good. Yeah, that's good. I feel like that can be a big... Uh... That can be a very big change for an animal. Yeah, some dogs, like, can get sick because, like, they're so, like, d- disturbed. And <laughs> yeah. I had a uh, – when I lived in 
Well, when I lived in Tempe and I moved to Oregon, at the time I had this cat, uh, Frank Zappa Wahlberg, and he was this little black fluffy cat who had little poofy pants. And he's really (laughs) like the only pet that I've ever had as an adult. Um, And I ultimately, I was moving and I had to give him away. I couldn't bring a pet into this place and I knew I was going to leave Oregon pretty soon. But um, Frank has a nice mommy now. But uh, we did move from, he moved all the way from Arizona with me. Uh, up the I-5 to, I didn't have air conditioning and I moved in June and I had to drive with the windows down the hallway with him in a cat carrier and they gave me this like cat Valium to give him, which made, I think it made it worse. Did it make it worse? He was just like yowling the entire time and I had to have all the windows down because I was driving through like the desert to get like to California. Yeah. And, uh, we got to, I think it was, um, I don't know the name of the city, somewhere up in the Redwoods in California, like almost to Oregon. We'd stayed like one more night on this road trip because I was like, I can't drive. Like I drove all the way from L.A. to there and I was uh-huh. like, I need to chill. I'm driving alone. And so yeah. we rented this hotel room and I opened up his carrier. Yeah. He peed himself and he was yeah. really, really covered in pee mm-hmm. and I felt super bad. And so yeah. I, I picked him up and I put him in the in the bathtub <laughs> at like, a, I don't know, like a Motel 6, wherever, yeah. wherever I was staying that you could have an animal at. Yeah. And he and I had to get him wet, but he couldn't really move. You know, he was like really lethargic because yeah. of the drugs. And I Aww. was just like, oh my God, this poor cat. And then yeah. um, I kind of like, I cleaned him all off and then I like set him there for a second. And I turned around to get a towel. And when I turned back, he tried to get up uh, the side of the tub and his little paws kind of got over the lip. And then he just slid down <laughs> on his tummy. And he was like this mat of wet black fur oh in this thing. And it was the saddest thing that I'd ever seen. And I almost that started crying. Sad. But yeah. then we, one time we moved in Portland. And I moved in like this punk house <laughs> and he was so upset. There were two ferrets yeah. in a cage in the living room. There was a dog that lived in the basement and I thought he ran away and oh. I was so upset and I was looking for him. It'd been like a week and I thought, wow, wow I really fucked yeah. this up and like ruined yeah. my cat and traumatized it and it's gone now because I can't pay rent in a place that doesn't <laughs> look like this. Maybe I shouldn't have a pet. But yeah. then um, I was laying in the bed one night. This is, He'd been gone six, seven days. And I was just laying there and all of a sudden I like heard this noise and I started to be like, am I going crazy? Like, what is that noise? And I was like looking everywhere and I'm looking under the bed, I'm looking in the closet. And then I heard this like weird, faint meow. And I finally like looked, I climbed under the bed and you know how on a box spring, they have that kind of um, ghostly see-through fabric that goes along the whole bottom and it's like kind of gross and there's dust all over it or whatever. He'd clawed, ripped a hole in that and climbed up in it and had been living inside oh of the box spring for <laughs> a week. Cross-punk cat. Yeah, totally. He was squatting and he had not yeah. come out or used the bathroom oh. or had anything to eat or drink. And I pulled him out. He's just like a little rag doll of bones. Yeah. But, so I'm glad that Kenny wow. is not living in your box spring. He's not. <laughs> he has also run away before. So oh, no. I know how traumatizing that yeah. is. He got off his leash. And another thing about Shivas that people don't know is that – um, they're like escape artists. Like they will find their way like under fences or they'll oh. jump a fence. Or, so he bolted, which I I guess not all dogs do. It seems crazy to me because my dog's like a bolter. Um, and he just like took off. Like he like took off off the street. And Kenny, Kenny kind of sounds like a screedler. He's a fucking screedler. <laughs> if anyone's a screedler, it's Kenny. <laughs> Bring Kenny on the show. Oh, man. Well, the next time yeah. that Kenny's here, he should be. Um, yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. I broke a mirror in my house. I'm supposed to get seven years bad luck, but my lawyer thinks he can get me five. <laughs> 
I like to fill my tub up with water, then turn the shower on and act like I'm in a submarine that's been hit. These are some ingredients you'll find in a typical hot dog. Sodium diacetate, potassium lactate, sodium phosphate, ascorbic acid. All there on the package for you to read. But listen to what happens when you play them backwards. You can't believe people still eat these things, even with the ingredients on the package. This is way too easy. Applegate natural hot dogs are made of four pronounceable ingredients. Beef, water, salt, and spices. Applegate, what's in your hot dog? I like to skate on the other side of the ice. When I get real, real bored, I like to drive downtown and get a great parking spot, then sit in my car and count how many people ask me if I'm leaving. That's Stephen Wright. He's a real wordsmith, if you catch my drift. That was a little selection from an appearance on The Johnny Carson Show in 1984. How old were you in 1984? Zero? That's what I thought. Stephen Wright has definitely performed in Seattle. I wonder if he rode the duck. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Um, so, I wanted to talk to you, too, about not only your writing, but you and I had talked a little bit about how you're kind of taking a break from that right now and this sort of feeling of, you know, what does that mean to be a real poet or a real artist? And what does it mean if you, like, take some time off or you're focusing on something else? Because, I mean, you, you work a lot. Yeah. You're a programmer. <laughs> yeah. Which I imagine is a... Just living yeah. takes up so much time. And you've got a son. You've got I a large a, son yeah, now. A skittish screedler son. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what does that mean, like, taking a break? Do you mean more you're kind of doing it privately and just kind of keeping it to yourself and not, like, not chasing something or, like, setting up a deadline? Or is it, like, clean break, cold turkey, I'm it's, taking a minute? Yeah, it's pretty much just a clean break. Um, and I've always been sort of, like, cyclical in my writing. Like, I'll have, like, it was, it's, like, feast and famine periods mm -hmm. where, like, I'll, like, write furiously. Like, when I wrote my chapbook, it was all, like, over the span of a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, and then there'll be periods where I just like, it just is not coming to me. And, you know, I, I sort of knew that about myself, but this break period has just been longer. Um, and I struggle with that because, um, you know, there's, there's kind of this like idea that like writing needs to be your life. Like mm. if it's not the most important thing in the world to you, then like, you know, you're not like authentic, mm. um, but even like and so many writers that we celebrate have led such rewarding and normal lives and not yeah. been depressed or complete alcoholics or yeah. like totally let it ruin Role their models, entire yeah really. <laughs> like one of <laughs> one of my favorite I can't even think um Wallace Stevens I believe um was like a salesman and like just like wrote poetry night or like Frank O'Hara right yeah. like he just yeah. like wrote stuff on the side and um those are <laughs> more healthy ways to be because like I. I have to pay rent like yeah. everyone else. Like yeah. I have to have a job. I want to have a job that's rewarding. Like there have always been other things that have been important to me. Like writing has never been my whole life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I struggle with that like authenticity thing. Like even when I was writing regularly and publishing regularly, like feeling like I wasn't like a real poet because I had just sort of like come in from the outside and I like hadn't been writing forever and I didn't, you know, study creative writing, even though you don't need credentials, especially like in the communities that I yeah. was in. Um, but yeah, there's just that, that struggle of like not feeling like, like you belong. Hmm. 
Yeah, I feel I feel like if I were a regular studio artist, I would feel like that. Like especially if I were renting a studio in yeah. New York. If I were paying if I were paying for like square footage here. Yeah. And just I don't know what I would do when I run into a block because there, you know, I write pretty regularly, but I'm not it's not creative writing. I'm writing about other stuff. So there's like all this content that the world is putting out. And then yeah. sometimes I'm fortunate enough that like uh, someone will pay me to write something about it. A lot of the time I'm just writing and putting it on this fucking blog or something. Yeah. But it's not something where I even have really what I would call a routine. It's more just like, oh, if this moves me, I'm going to do it right now. But my God, if I was spending like 500 extra dollars a month on top oh, of God. New York rent to have a space, so I would just be pressure. like, I'd be like yeah. inventing fucking sculptures yeah. that have no, bus- <laughs> like no business yeah. existing. Macaroni noodle <laughs> sculpture. <laughs> but yeah. No, that's good. And I think that that's, but I think that too, this idea of uh, what it means to be real, if, if you identify as one of these things, is pretty silly, especially when, um, you know, we certainly got handed a pretty shitty economy from yeah. the generation after us. So it's Thanks, not, guys. you know, yeah, yeah good, <laughs> good work out there. Thank yeah. you. Just say, <laughs> boomers. Just want to say thanks. Give it up for boomers. <laughs> I have this terrible thing where, like, I, you know, once, at least once every time that I go home around the holidays yeah. or like see my parents in the summer, I'll just, you know, you I'll just go blast them. just once like for a minute. And they, yeah. you know, they know I'm an it's idiot. So they, they like yeah. humor me and they're just like, you know, nobody told you to take out that money to go to college. Oh, and I'm just God. like, yeah, societal just like, pressure. Fucking not- God, I'm, I'm, fucking, I'm just like, you know, complaining yeah. about all this stuff. And they, you know, they're very sweet about it. But yeah, um, they're, you know, they're the boomers I talk to the most. So yeah, I'm just parents, kind of like, yeah. I'm like, we're not saying you two did this, but your friends, <laughs> you did. Your friends fucked this yeah. up. You <laughs> fucked it up big time. <laughs> um, but besides just the writing to the uh, Benango Street. And yeah. so is this like a labor of love you're putting out? You have put out both physical volumes and then there's online writing and there's like, yeah. there's volumes that come out that are strictly digital and things. Yeah. Am I correct? Um, so the Benango Street, um, none of that has been physical. Oh, okay. Um, all the physical stuff is like my own personal writing. Because mm, um, on the website, yeah, it kind of looks yeah. like. Uh, but it turns out, yeah. I um, like that. It turns out that. Uh, you fucking tricked me. I tricked you, which is good <laughs> because people think print is more legit. And print is nice. Print is great. But like, it's not the end all be all. It's fine. It's the medium of yeah, baby it boomers. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> those fucks. <laughs> but yeah. Um. It is a labor of love. Um, it is not free in many ways to <laughs> do this, as it so turns yeah. out. Um, you know, just like in terms of like running a website, but also just like in terms of time and energy yeah. of like reading other people's work and mm-hmm. um, putting out issues and like soliciting art and promoting it and all of that. Yeah. I feel that way about, uh, you know, I put people's books out and stuff too. Yeah. And sometimes Social it's. Malpractice. Sometimes it's. Uh, I love doing it and I love working with them. And then, but when it's like something has to be done before a certain date, I'm yeah. focusing on that hardcore and a yeah. lot of other things are falling behind. And thank God, like, uh, Claire runs it with me now. Oh, so she awesome. does like, she's like a design wizard and like yeah. does things. I used to, this is fucking insane. I used to lay, um, <laughs> the book. First of all, I used to uh, cut, I used to print all the things off on Microsoft Word on like, yeah. you know, two column, like a, so it was zine size, yeah, yeah. cut them up, tape them all together. Like I did when I was a teenager and then yeah. put them through a photocopier. Cause it, it was just like, oh, that's, that's how yeah. you uh, collate a book. Yeah. And then later I was like, I'm going digital and I would yeah. use Photoshop oh, and drop a PDF of text oh, and do no. man- manually do it like that. And oh. I think 
uh, at one point, someone saw me doing that. And was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> this is and atrocious. they're like, "There's a program that yeah. does this." And I was like, "Well, I don't know how to use it." Yeah. So, like, and I stole all of this software yeah. to begin with. So like, it's much harder to steal <laughs> now. I know this because I have used InDesign to lay out mm-hmm. the chapbooks for Benango, and um, there used to be like cracks that you could do for all the creative yeah, yeah, cloud yeah. stuff. And now it's all in the cloud, yeah. so you can't. It's impossible. And, the, and you can't just go like full Netflix or HBO Go password yeah, with a buddy on I it. Wish. <laughs> Actually, uh, yeah, it might be machine-based. I don't know how that works. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking cool. Um, yeah. And then, so you also told me something interesting. You are a member of a podcast club. Yes, Which is like a, which is like a book club, but, but for, for podcasts. So yeah. I haven't heard of this before. Yeah. What do you, how often do you guys meet? So we meet once a month, and the idea is every month um, someone picks the list of just, like, different episodes from different podcasts, and we listen in advance, and then we meet up, and we just discuss them. So this last month, the theme was, like, surveillance, so there were a bunch of episodes um, about, like, spyware. and listening in on other people's conversations and privacy and issues like that. Um, I did a list in the past that was like focused on like food and issues around like culture and food. Um, and I'm picking the list for this upcoming month, but I haven't decided on a theme yet. Mm. You know, people are really into the, and I, I, I can, I have to kind of not let myself do it too much, but the true, the true crime ones. Oh Those yeah. Are people. So. Funny, it's really easy to make somebody be spooked out by just yeah. like only audio. Funny it's story. It's really easy to make that scary. Um, are you are you a scaredy cat? <laughs> I like I like a good spook. Or, yeah, I like I a good spook. I like a good uh, I like a good like thriller. Yeah. Don't like a lot of gore. Okay, so I can handle cartoonish gore, but yeah, you would realistic gore. You wouldn't like this one podcast that I had to stop listening to called <laughs> Sword and Scale. Oh, it's about we have did you heard of that. Claire and I listened to it when we were coming back from Chicago, and it, it was is... all foggy and dark, oh and we were God. driving like this car the worst. down. Uh, there's no major highway that goes to my town, yeah. so you're like on a two lane road in the oh middle of nowhere in the middle of the night, and it was like spooky, and we were driving around. And I was just like, this is this is how this podcast. Podcast yeah. was supposed to be listened to. Yeah, Don't this is how I you die. <laughs> so, um, I uh, earlier this, where are we? It's it's August, right? August. So, um, this is like back in the fall, I think. Um, I like passed out or almost passed out on the train, which is really embarrassing. Um, I probably just like didn't eat or drink enough that day, but I was listening to like a particularly like heinous episode of that podcast when it happened like very graphic episode and like that was like kind of the bellwether for me where i was like (laughs) this is too much like i need to this is making me sick especially when it's yeah and it's pumping into your head while you're like unconscious Um, and you're just sort of absorbing this stuff it's not healthy it's not good (laughs) oh my goodness that's really funny yeah there are there's no shortage of those, and people give me recommendations, and I I yeah. often start them, and I really like them, but then I just kind of get like, yeah. I'm like, I don't know how far I can go with this, you or just I'm feel gonna. Kind of sick. It's a little bit crazy, yeah. yeah. But uh, I do. The thing that I like about them, sort of the aural aesthetic of them, is that it's yeah. very much unlike you know this podcast or that podcast. I mean, it's theater, yeah. and it's, it's this a really like kind of yeah. over the top thing, and any excuse to start to like put strange like footstep sounds in the woods while somebody recalls something there's always like a fucking kid like you know recording in the 1980s of like the kid whose friend got fucking snatched and they're just like like, 
oh my god and they're like he's 36 now and then they like <laughs> talk to him and he's like i didn't even know <laughs> like pretty crazy yeah um and then last thing that i want to touch on is uh you've got a new instagram that yes. has a very specific focus i do yes um it is called come through beauty mm -hmm. in keeping with the come through family of brands <laughs> um, vertical integration ver i don't yeah, know horizontal that... even Horizon it's a carnegie thing yeah. rockefeller learned about that in school <laughs> really see i don't I even think so. i just said vertical integration because i think it <laughs> means something that has to do with business Ah, uh, business mm -hmm. love business love it <laughs> first quarter yeah doing great gains all gains um, but what so <laughs> So where'd come through beauty come from? So um, a while or a couple months ago, really, um, I just started getting really into like watching beauty bloggers on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And I don't really know like where it came from, um, but I've just like started becoming interesting Ugh. interested mm, i in... thought you were interesting for years <laughs> thank you sean <laughs> so i started becoming interesting in just like beauty and skincare which like oh, this is like so i'm honestly like embarrassed right now because no, like i, I feel like it's it's kind of a superficial thing and i mean the problem mm. is a lot of this stuff is very so is wearing a particular shirt yeah or getting your hair cut yeah it's just having... more societally accepted yeah especially for when yeah, it's like women the folk thing <laughs> <laughs> i imagine that the there's probably an allure though in the videos and i gotta check yeah. some out but i'm sure that there's sort of like a there's like a a calmness or like an intimacy or some other like yeah. type of space that's made where you're just kind of like oh this person's just doing it for themselves yeah. and and putting themselves out there which is kind of you know kind of appealing yeah yeah, yeah. so i don't watch um is it ASMR. Is that yeah. um, I don't. I don't watch or like listen to that stuff. I but get, I don't know if these microphones. Hold on. Popcorn, I'm gonna see if they go around. Do they actually change the pineapple? In the, I don't think that these. No, if I go really far behind it, no, yeah. they don't even sound okay. like they go in different yeah. ears. But well, um, that's kind of what it is for me, or what I like imagine it would be like. Um, it's just like it's kind of relaxing, and like I have like a stressful kind of stressful life yeah um and it's just it's a nice thing for me to like come home to and just when i like get into things i have sort of like an obsessive personality like i get really into them like i like learning about new things and yeah. like beauty and skincare is no exception yeah why the fuck not yeah i hope you start getting some products floated to you um, I hope so too. So yeah. someone reached out to me. Oh, yeah? Um, they were like, "Are you interested in being like a, a rep for our like subscription box?" But then like I looked into it, and it turned out to be like, um, for every three pairs of boxes that you sell with your link, you get one sent to you. And I was like, I don't have the power. Nobody's gonna. <laughs> oh, you don't even get. Yeah, <laughs> just, they don't send anything to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. No. Oh. So, yeah. That makes sense. So, and it's kind of like. But everybody, and I don't even think it, I don't even think that these things qualify as guilty pleasures. I mean, they're just things that you do because it brings a certain kind of, it's just something that brings you some joy. It brings and like, me joy. what the and... fuck is wrong with that? And yeah. there's so much, like, I don't recall, you know, it's not like everything hasn't been horrible forever. You yeah. know, it has, but just the relentlessness yeah. of, you know. It's especially since bad now. Of the last uh, eight months or whatever have been, yeah. there's no fucking you can't go into dunkin donuts and get a coffee without yeah. seeing fucking prints uh like yeah. <laughs> any of these not prints who passed away but rents <laughs> rents 
Rince Priebus. Prince Rebus. Prince Rebus. Yes, that's a snapple. Um, <laughs> Spoon. Spoonerism. Spoonerism. A spoon. But also kind of a snapple. Yeah. But uh, no, there's, I think, a certain relentlessness to that pummeling that's like yeah, requires escape. anything that somebody can do. Claire and I watch a <laughs> show called, it's a BBC show called Father Brown. Oh. Okay. He's a priest who. Yeah. Uh, is you know really interested in solving crimes in like his weird English <laughs> countryside town or something, and you know the yeah. the constable is always like Father Brown, you're in the way again. But Father Brown always like solves yeah. it, and it's like I mean That's it's preposterous. Amazing. I don't know that it's like I don't know if it's a good show, but it sounds like it's good for I you. I really right? like watching yeah, it, and it's super calming, and there's nothing like kind of crazy. And it's yeah. certainly, I mean, absolutely, admittedly, it's escapist. It yeah. happens in an entirely different context of, like, reality <laughs> that I have no relationship to, but That's I okay. feel an identification with the characters. Yeah. Father and, Brown. Yeah. yeah. Father, Father Brown. Sean. Father Sean. <laughs> I should do my own series, yeah. yeah. Or try to get on it. You could do a podcast series. Yeah, <laughs> Another podcast. Oh You're ready, ready to roll On up. Father Brown. Yeah. That would be... <laughs> that would be a whole other thing. People would... Yeah. I would love to see, like, the stats on that. Yeah. Um, like, if I got... Who if, watches? No, if I just listen? got... Yeah, if I did a Father Brown... F- podcast yeah. it would be like um six listens on an episode <laughs> one of them or would be me yeah cool that's good <laughs> one would be claire i think though it has the same kind of appeal that everybody's fucking going nuts about the great british baking show oh it's my just god like i was just this, about to bring that up that's yeah, like that's the <laughs> that's so many people's hangover cure yeah it's like it's smoke so weed cinnamon. Yeah, then they're it's not so they don't even talk shit about each yeah, other and when they so like nice. when somebody kicks out when they somebody gets hug. kicked off yeah everybody else is like <laughs> I feel incredibly lucky yeah. to still be here. It should have been me. I can't believe Nigel sent home. <laughs> it just means that i got to come back next week and yeah, bake really even stronger. Give college yeah. try. <laughs> 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 it's the old university try. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, but, no, I think that that's, uh, no, I think that that's an important thing. And, um, and yeah, I think that's a good spot to end on, too, is that there's, there's some space right now for people to carve out themselves. You know, and it's just like, you know, it gets a lot Don't of people. feel guilty. Yeah, people clown on it or they talk about, oh, like self-care or like this, yeah. that. And it's like, no, actually, that's pretty important. Yeah. And if you don't do that, you're going to go fucking crazy. Yeah, and, real quick. And everybody has their own thing that they can kind of do to like relax or do something. And, and especially in like a neoliberal economy where <laughs> every second of your day is like monetized to be yeah. this or that, like it's okay if the thing that you consume or participate in is like, of course it's yeah. deeply rooted it's in okay capitalism. It's okay if I'm not reading a textbook <laughs> yeah. in my free time. My boyfriend does that. <laughs> Just any textbook? Programming. No, oh. he's a, he's a, he really loves programming. Oh, yeah. And he does that in his free time, but I could not do that because I do that eight hours a day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't go home and read art magazines. <laughs> yeah. Under any Not even um, Brian Drakor. Anything Brian Drakor writes, yeah. I read. I okay. devour. Yeah. I will read shit. anything that he writes. Yeah. It, Let the record show. <laughs> Let the record show. And uh, Brian, I'll know if you're listening because you'll bring this up. Yeah. Um, In the DM. <laughs> yeah. uh, Rachel, well, thank you so much for coming by and coming directly from LaGuardia. Yeah, In a my taxi pleasure. cab thank and you, bringing Sean. your bags here to do this. Uh, <laughs> so happy that you're in New York. I hope that the uh, – it's an engagement party, not a yes. bachelorette party. Correct. Okay. I hope the engagement party is super fun and uh, that your time here is really special. Yeah. Thanks, Sean. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. Now we got ears, it's time for 
What a hot dog day! Hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog! It's a brand new day, what you waiting for? Get up, stretch out, stop on the floor! Hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog! Hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog! We're splitting the scene, we're full of beans, so long for now!